This is Recess Now, 5-Minute Bit. I'm Ralph Seymour, Physician Assistant in Emergency Medicine and Critical Care. Today, we're going to be talking about the pneumothorax and chest tubes again, and this will be our last installment on this discussion uh, with respect to our 5-Minute Bit series. What I want to talk about today are some miscellaneous pearls of treatment and other things that uh, may help you out when dealing with patients that have pneumothorax. Now, the first thing I want to talk about is treatment of a small pneumothorax. Now, I am not a proponent of putting in a chest tube in a very small, asymptomatic, or minimally symptomatic pneumothorax in a stable patient. Unless the patient's on a ventilator, unless the patient has blood in the chest or pus in the chest, I don't know if it's needed, and, and it probably isn't needed. So a Small pneumothorax, which is usually defined as a uh, two sonometer pneumothorax from uh, the visceral pleura to the cupola, which is the uh, apex of the lung, is usually that's usually a small pneumothorax. Now you can treat that um, by just watching them in the hospital. Usually, now a way to speed up the reabsorption of that pneumothorax is by uh, actually giving them oxygen sounds kind of simple, and it is. You know, humidified oxygen accelerates reabsorption of pneumothoraces by up to sixfold. And usually a, a pneumothorax will reabsorb on its own by 1% to 2% in a 24-hour period. But you can, you can accelerate that by six times. So, I mean, it's really important to consider uh, less invasive um, is going to be more uh, beneficial to your patient. So that's something to mention. The next thing that I wanted to make mention of is the actual technique of putting in a chest tube. I touched on it in one of the previous podcasts on pneumothorax, but I think we should kind of hit that again because it's, it's, it's really important to stay disciplined with this stuff. Now, look, the first thing you want to do is figure out each and every time where you want to put in a chest tube. Now, the triangle of safety is where you want to be, and that's usually in the anterior axillary line or the mid-axillary line around where the nipple line is or should be, okay? Now, that's usually at the, um, the edge of the pectoralis muscle in between that and the edge of the uh, latissimus dorsi muscle, okay? And if you stay within that triangle of safety, you should be fine. You shouldn't have any problems uh, with bleeding or hitting something you're not supposed to hit, that kind of thing. So keep that in mind. Stay within the triangle of safety. Now, when you're actually doing a chest tube and making your incision, make the incision over the rib, okay? And make your tunnel, your track, your blunt track with your finger and your Kelly over the rib, beneath your finger, okay? Not under the rib, above your finger, okay? And the, there's reasons for that. There is a neuromuscular, um, neurovascular, I should say, bundle underneath each rib. And you don't want to hit that because you could hit big red and you're going to cause a hemothorax. So don't do that. Stay away from underneath the rib. Just go over the rib. Now, when you're putting in a chest tube, you want to direct it superiorly for a pneumothorax. Now, when you're talking about a hemothorax, you want to direct it posteriorly and, um, 
and inferiorly, okay? So that's how you kind of want to direct the two because air moves up and blood and fluid moves down, okay? So that's just something to think about. And the last thing I want to talk about is some concept that I, I learned in RLA um, from uh, one of the uh, talks that I had to listen to, and it was a great talk um, by one of the physicians from Shock Trauma. And basically, what a pneumothorax is, what it turns into, is no different than any other compartment syndrome in the body. So it's important to keep that in mind. Pneumothorax is compartment syndrome. It's a compartment syndrome in the chest, okay? So the longer you have that pneumothorax, let's just say somebody developed a pneumothorax like six or seven days ago, and it's been kind of sitting at home, and they didn't, you know, they didn't develop into tension, so they did okay, and then they finally, you know, the pain is just unbearable at this point, and they decide to come in. Just keep in mind of one thing. Anytime you reperfuse an area that gets blood flow, suddenly, after it's lost blood flow for a, a long period of time, you can develop a reperfusion syndrome. This is true in every area of the body. It's true in the heart. It's true in the brain. It's true in the, the muscle compartments. It's true in the abdomen, intestines. I could keep going on and on, but I won't. I'm going to stop there because I think you get it. All right? Now, what I want you to understand is that when you put in a chest tube for a pneumo that's been going on for a while and you suddenly release that pressure, what happens is the capillary beds of the, of the lung tissue actually develop um, edema and reperfusion injury, and you get all kinds of um, uh, toxic free radicals that cause dysfunction and problems with you know, oxygen exchange and gas exchange, and you get leaking capillaries, development of pulmonary edema. So that's called re-expansion pulmonary edema. Just be aware of that complication so you don't get all freaked out when you put in the chest tube and you see half the lung is all whited out by edema. Okay, that does happen. It doesn't usually happen if, it, if it's an acute uh, tension pneumothorax, an acute pneumothorax, but it can for ones that have been going on for um, a period of time. So that's just something I want you to think about. Uh, this is it for the pneumothorax and chest tubes. I've appreciated you. I hope you've appreciated this. We'll see you next time.